You know, God has made a way to turn our hearts and to turn our lives towards him and change who we are. But it's the Holy Spirit who does that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV. We go through the Bible in one year. It is very exciting. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage because in Jeremiah 3, we're going to learn a lot. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? I'm focusing in on Jeremiah's call to be a prophet and the symbolism of the almond tree. Ryan? Today, my segment is all about Jeremiah, known endearingly as the weeping prophet. Yes, he was. And uh, those reports coming up in 20 minutes. Janice, what did you do? My segment's called Come Home. All right. Her segment's coming up in 25 minutes. We're going to teach first on Jeremiah 3. So get your Bible guide out. And when you get it, turn to today's passage and open up the Word of God. And let's read what the Lord has said to us. And let's understand it. Father, help us. Jeremiah 3, verses 1 through 12. They say, If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her again. Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return to me, says the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. Where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat for them like an Arabian in the wilderness. And you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withheld, and there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's forehead, you refused to be ashamed. Will you not from this time cry to me, My father, you are the guide of my youth? Will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass, through her casual harlotry, that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet, for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, Backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. 
I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. We begin a new book today. It's the book of Jeremiah. And as we read through the Bible, we encounter Jeremiah 1, 2, and 3. We're going to read from Jeremiah chapter 3 in our studies today. But in Jeremiah 3, you know, we see dealing with God or God dealing with the unfaithfulness of Judah and Israel. Though they deserve to be rejected forever, God had a larger plan in place. He would bring them into judgment through the Babylonian exile, but this was not the end. God's restoration work would apply to them once they repented, that is, acknowledged their guilt and called on God. Now, through this history, we get to see God's amazing character and his interesting interactions with his people. It's presented to us. Now, there is a question today about how God or what God does with Christians who decide to reject the Lord. It is a more complicated question because we live in a different time with different knowledge than the ancient Israelites did. Some Christian leaders and pastors teach that there are no Christian backsliders because once you backslide, you lose your salvation. Well, to both the arguments on both sides of this, I bring you Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 in the New Testament. It says, quote, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again, to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Interesting. However we choose to deal with this passage, it is a warning that we should take it seriously. So, let us make God our authority. Let us follow him with all that we have in repentance and in honesty. Remember that word, honesty? That's important for us to remember today. And as we do that, we need to think this through. Backsliding? What? From Jeremiah 3, 1 to 12. And we need to pray today. Lord, I pray today that you would help us because I'm sure there are many people who believe in that, many people who don't believe in that, listening to me right now. Only the Holy Spirit can truly answer this question as we begin to seek your face. So, Lord, we seek your face here and help us to understand what you're saying in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, I got to tell you, this is a great question. And as a pastor, I dealt with it all the time. And I have specific feelings about this. And I know exactly where I'm going because anyway, we, we, we read Jeremiah 3, 3, 1 to 5. Listen carefully. They say. If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her again? Would that not make the land greatly polluted? But you've played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return to me, says the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. 
Where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat for them, like an uh, Arabian in the wilderness. And you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. Will you not from this time cry to me, my father? You are the guide of my youth. Will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able to do. Now, this is fascinating. God knows what each one of our futures holds. God knows that. He understands that. He knows the future. When we come to God, we make him the ruler and the Lord over all our life. Now, let me tell you something. When you come to Jesus Christ and you truly know him and you give your life to him, you recognize the power of his spirit and you begin to change your life. There are many things that can tempt you and move you in the wrong direction. But God has possessed you and you belong to the Lord. It's not about what you choose after that. It's about you belong to the Lord. Now, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 3, 6 to 10. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah, the king, great king, by the way, quote, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She's gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all of these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And then I saw that for all the cause for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all of this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart. But in pretense, says the Lord, in pretense, says the Lord, God has made a way for us to turn our lives back to him today. We must turn towards God and give our lives to follow him wholeheartedly, beloved. Again, when we give our heart to the Lord, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, and we truly understand what that means, there's nothing that can happen to us. Even what we decide or even things that have taken place, nothing that can stop us from turning away from God. Very interesting, isn't it? We need to live for the Lord. Now, Jeremiah 3, 11 to 12. Watch this one. This is a good one. Then the Lord said to me, backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteousness than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. This is fascinating. For I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Which takes me to this point. Those who truly follow Christ with their lives, listen to the Lord, not the news, not what's going on. They listen to the Lord. 
Beloved, we learn to follow his way through the work of his Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit, the words of the Holy Spirit, are in the Bible. They're in the word of God. And as we think that through and as we begin to understand that, we begin to realize how important it is to read the word of God, to understand the Bible. Because when we come to the Lord, we come by prayer and we must continue to pray. Praying is talking to God. We continue to pray and we must begin to read or listen to or hear from God what he says to us. We hear and we pray. We hear and we pray. We read and we pray. So important today. Remember that as we continue in our life with Christ, to follow Christ, we need to listen to how he lived and then the Holy Spirit will help us live the way that God has designed us to. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today, we begin one of the most heartbreaking books of the whole Bible, and that's Jeremiah. And to help us get started, I really wanted to do a profile on the human author of the book, who, of course, is Jeremiah. And you know, his message was extremely unpopular with the religious and governmental institutions of his day. And because of this, he was mocked, ridiculed, and persecuted. And it's no wonder that he's known famously and tragically as the weeping prophet. Let's study. Known famously as the Weeping Prophet, Jeremiah stands out as one of the most unique persons of the entire Bible. A son of Hilkiah, a priest of Anathoth, Jeremiah receives his call from God when he is very young, perhaps no more than 13 years of age. In fact, Jeremiah was the only prophet ever instructed by God not to pray for his own nation. God informs the boy that he will be the prophet of Judah's midnight hour, proclaiming the destruction and end of the Jewish nation. Such a task would be anything but easy. Delivering this message would officially make Jeremiah the most despised and persecuted Old Testament prophet. Worse still, although Jeremiah's ministry commenced during the reign of King Josiah, the subsequent four kings were anything but godly. Indeed, in Jerusalem's final hours, Jeremiah advises Zedekiah, the very last king of Judah, to surrender himself to the Babylonians, since God was employing Babylon as his tool of judgment. Jeremiah makes reference to Babylon as God's instrument of judgment over 160 times, more than the rest of scripture combined. He also prophesied that the Babylonian captivity would only last 70 years. However, for this the prophet is branded a traitor and imprisoned. When the Babylonians do invade, King Zedekiah foolishly ignores Jeremiah's godly advice and attempts to escape. After he is captured 20 miles out of Jerusalem, he is forced to watch the death of his sons then blinded and carried off to Babylon, never to return. As for Jeremiah, no other Old Testament prophet of God probably suffered as much as he did during his 40 years of ministry. He often found himself standing alone and opposed by people, false prophets, princes, and priests. He was mocked, whipped, accused, 
threatened, despised, hated, rejected, imprisoned, and cast into a pit. Later, the Babylonians freed him, apparently because they learned he had advised the leaders to surrender. It may have been during this lonely time in his decimated homeland that he wrote the Book of Lamentations, traditionally attributed to him. Known as the saddest book in the Bible, it's an eyewitness report of the siege and fall of Jerusalem, followed by the grief of a people with no nation. Interestingly, Jeremiah is the only prophet to give us an eyewitness account of Jerusalem's destruction, and records more about his own personal life than any other prophet. No wonder he is well remembered as the weeping prophet. Now, just to finish the story, after the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, the few remaining Jews of the land wanted to escape to Egypt. But Jeremiah warned them that if they did, that they would die. Well, ironically, the Jews had originally escaped from Egypt to start their nation, and now they were escaping to Egypt after the death of their nation. Apparently, they also forced Jeremiah to go with them, and he was never heard from again. But I think it's intriguing that God called a boy, Jeremiah, to become the prophet who would grow up to turn the lights out on the Jewish nation. He foretold the destruction and he witnessed it. What makes this especially fascinating is that centuries earlier, God had called a boy named Samuel to do just the opposite. Samuel grew up to become the prophet who turned the lights on. He anointed Israel's first king. And it was yet another boy, Jesus, who came to inaugurate a new Israel, not of this world. He turned the lights on forever. You know, God uses children to introduce his new plans and all of that for, for every generation. Every generation has to decide who Jesus Christ is. And uh, this is very interesting, mm -hmm. Ryan. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, Corey? All right. So we're going to focus in on Jeremiah chapter 1 and on his calling as a prophet. So, uh, you know, God uh, comes to Jeremiah and calls him as a prophet and then asks him, you know, Jeremiah, what do you see? And the first thing uh, that Jeremiah sees is he says, I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Well, let's take a look at why an almond tree would be the first vision given to Jeremiah. Almonds became an important symbol for Israel very early on in the nation's development. After the Exodus, Moses received instructions to build the tabernacle, a portable sanctuary where God would meet with the leaders of Israel. The lampstand of the tabernacle was made to artistically represent an almond tree with its detachable lamps shaped as stylized almond blossoms. Then, when faced with dissatisfaction over Aaron's leadership as the high priest, God miraculously caused Aaron's staff to sprout, bud, blossom, and produce ripe almonds overnight. This was a clear symbol of God's choice in priest, but also carried a decidedly stern warning with it. The staff was kept in front of the Ark of the Covenant as a sign to the rebellious so that they would not grumble and die as a result. The almond-bearing staff of Aaron became a warning to all who would strive against God. The almond tree appears again in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes 12, a chapter that's describing the end of life and encouraging the reader to remember God before the time when the people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. 
Commentators often remark that due to the almond tree's white blossoms, this may be referencing graying hair. But in this context, it may also reveal the almond's association with coming destruction. This association is again revealed in Ezekiel 7, which is describing the end of Israel. Verses 10 and 11 say, See the day, see it comes, doom has burst forth, the rod has budded, arrogance has blossomed, violence has arisen, a rod to punish the wicked, none of the people will be left. The blossoming rod of Aaron has again made an appearance, this time not just as a warning to the wicked, but because in their arrogance they have not heeded the warning of the rod, it now carries with it a sure punishment of sin. Almonds make another significant biblical appearance in Jeremiah chapter 1. During Jeremiah's call to become a prophet, God converses with him. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. There seem to be two things going on here. First, God's using a play on words because the Hebrew word for almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watch. God is watching to see that his word is fulfilled. Jeremiah sees an almond branch. However, given the previously established symbolism of an almond staff as a dire warning from God, this also perfectly sums up what Jeremiah's main prophetic message will be. Judgment was coming to Judah because of their rebellion against God. So we see this has, uh, it has a multi-dimensional approach to it, right? It has multiple meanings at the same time. And the first one is intimated right away in the text where God responds to Jeremiah after Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree. It says then in verse 12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So like we discussed, the Hebrew word for almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watch. So there's that watch and watch and, and see element of it, which of course is there. Also, the almond trees is, was one of the first ones to bud in the spring. So it symbolized a changing of seasons, but then also connected back with that rod of Aaron. You notice here, Jeremiah doesn't see an entire almond tree. He sees a branch of an almond tree. And so hearkening back to that, that, that rod of Aaron that, that became a branch of an almond tree budded and fruited, there's this there's this foreboding sense of judgment that also comes along with Jeremiah's first vision, which of course plays out in the book of Jeremiah. He is called to, to uh, you know, like in the Aaron incident, to let the people of God know who their true authority is, that they have betrayed that true authority uh, in God and that judgment will be coming. So there's this this uh, sense of judgment that also comes along with Jeremiah's first vision. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Janice? Mm -hmm. Well, in Jeremiah chapter three, it's a call to repentance for Israel. And I, that's why I titled it, Come Home. Uh, this, this chapter really calls Israel to repent God calls out to return to him. He says in verse 12, for I am merciful. And God is still that same God today as he was then, as he will be in the future. And there may be some of you watching today and you think it's just by chance. Or maybe you've been watching for a while, but you just don't know about this whole God thing. And maybe you knew the Lord, maybe you even went to Sunday school as a child, 
And since then, you've just sort of slowly faded away. And now you're in a spot where you might even feel like you've gone too far, that God would never accept you back again. And I want to tell you today a really awesome and great piece of news that God is merciful and God calls you to come home. He's waiting, actually he's waiting with open arms for you to make that decision to come back home. You know, we there's an old song that we used to sing, Just As I Am. And, and that's the thing, you know, if you're like me, sometimes you think that you have to get everything prepared before you go to God. And the truth is you just come to God with who you are right now. And you ask him and you say, you know what, God? And, and if you truly mean it, if you truly mean it, God will, will hear your, your, your cry because he sees your heart. He knows your heart and the things that you've done even better than you do. So when you just say, God, forgive me, I, I, I don't even know how I got to the place that I'm at today, but please accept me back again. Come back into my heart and, and help me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God, so that I can turn away from the stuff that I've been doing. I need your strength to be able to do that. But I really want to do that today. I, I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me from my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. And I want that in my life. Please help me. Come in today. I want to come back home to you today, Lord. And, and he will. I promise you that he will. God sees and knows your heart. If you're truly sorry for what you've done and you ask God to forgive you, he will. And he'll come into your life and you're not going to be perfect like that. My goodness, I've been serving the Lord for a long time and he teaches me every day. He's such a gracious and patient father. But we, we willfully give our lives and commit ourselves to him. He will help us to change and it's not an easy road. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. It's not an easy road, but it's the right road. It's the best road and it's the best path. And that's Jesus Christ. Psalm 103, listen to this in the final seconds. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to jump down to verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great. Great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. We continue to pray as you have heard and listened to the prayers being presented in We Pray Today. And we need to pray now and say, Father, help me to change my ways. Help me, Lord, to change my thoughts as I live out this life in this present time. Father, give me grace and give me strength, and I'm going to stay following you. Help me today in the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we said together, amen.